Hello, everyone. This is Evelyn Kish. I'm the host of the Life Over Matter podcast. You can find me on Instagram, Life Over Matter podcast, or you can catch up on seasons one and two and embarked on season three in 2023 of the Life Over Matter podcast on Wednesday and Saturdays at 8 a.m. Now, while I love my podcast so much, and it's all about the journey of my life and taking everybody on it with me, uh, it is not directly correlated with the books. It does have some references, and I do use it to fuel the foundation for some of the exercises that I do in the podcast. So feel free to listen to them whenever, but you don't have to. It's the same with the people who love listening to the podcast. They don't have to listen to the books to understand either one of them. If you listen for the entire package, it is important for me to let you all know, thank you for choosing me. Thank you for listening and spending your time with me and understanding life and the mind and why we do and think the things that we do, how to plan for our goals and develop together. I appreciate you being here for the journey. And with that being said, I am going to embark on chapter 15 of Living Untethered by Michael A. Singer, and it's called The Brilliant Human Mind. What's so special about the human mind? Let's take a look. For billions and billions of years while the planet Earth was spinning through space, the process of evolution took place. There were minerals, then plants, then animals, all formed from atoms created in the stars. The planet had been floating in space for 4.5 billion years before modern humans showed up. It is worth noting that before humans showed up, life on Earth for the other species stayed pretty much the same. Food, shelter, and survival were the name of the game. Things haven't really changed that much for them. The monkeys lived in trees for tens of millions of years, just as they do now. The fish swam in the waters for hundreds of millions of years, just as they do now. Everything on Earth stayed pretty much the same until you humans showed up with your human mind. You discovered electricity and made the nighttime bright. You built giant skyscrapers and machinery that never existed before. You even dug into the Earth and extracted minerals, developed advanced materials like silicon chips. Then you built a rocket ship, got in, and flew to the moon. Compare that to what any other animals have done. They are living exactly the same as they did a thousand years ago, a hundred years ago, a million years ago. You're not. You used to live in caves. Now you're planning on living on Mars. What did that? Did God hide a rocket ship and you found it somewhere? No, your mind did that. Your mind figured out everything was made of atoms. Then you figured out how to split the atom. The human mind actually figured out how the universe was made all the way down to the quantum level. Your mind put up the Hubble Space Telescope that can see back to the beginning of creation. The Hubble can pick up light that has been traveling through space for more than 13 billion years. This allows us to see what was happening 13 billion years ago. You can even think about that. The fact that you can is because you have a human mind. The human mind is an amazing thing. That's some serious stuff that we figured out. You're back in there deep inside and you have the use of the brilliant mind. That said, what is the average human doing with their mind? Einstein used his mind to ponder the thought experiments about behavior of light, gravity, and the physics of outer space, even though no human had ever been there. 
Meanwhile, you keep your mind busy with relationships, what people think of you, and how to get what you want and avoid what you don't want. You may not have Einstein's mind, but compared to any other living thing on Earth, your mind is brilliant. The question is not whether your mind is brilliant. The question is, what are you doing with that brilliance? What we see is far is so far what we see so far is that the mind by itself without you interfering is doing what it's supposed to be doing it's giving you the gift of rendering the outside world for you to experience but you've had some trouble accepting that gift you started resisting it when it felt a little too uncomfortable and clinging when it felt a little too good this caused the buildup of mental patterns inside of you. Now, processing the current external experience becomes distorted by the reactions of past samskaras. You think of this as layers of the mind. The first layer is where the rendering of the past of the rendering of the present external experiences is taking place. We can call that the here and now layer. The next layer is the stored patterns from the past that you did not release when the external experience was over. We can call that the samskara layer. But there is yet another layer. This layer is what you're trying to do with your brilliant mind, solving the discomforts created by the samskaras. This is the personal thoughts layer, and it's the one that you identify the most. You think this is who you are. The combination of these three layers is what we call the personal mind. Yours is completely unique to you and you alone. We create the personal thoughts layer when we use the tremendous intellectual power of our mind to conceptualize an outside world that will not bother us and will, in fact, make us feel good. It seems perfectly logical. The problem is, what we think will make us feel good or bad is simply the result of block mental patterns from the past. If we use our mind's brilliance to develop thought patterns based on how everyone and everything needs to be for us to feel okay, we have limited our life to serving our samskaras, and our personal thoughts don't stop there. What good is it to analyze how you need things to be if you're not also going to think about how to get them that way. First, we figure out the strategy of how to be okay. Then we figure out the tactics of how to make that happen. Strategy and tactics. That's military training. In essence, we are at war with the world. The personal mind is taken on the task of how to get the world unfolding in front of you to be the way that you want. That should be setting off an alarm bell because we've already discussed that in great detail where the world in front of you comes from and it has nothing to do with what's going on inside your head. The moment in front of you is the result of all the natural forces that caused it to be as it is. The preference system in your mind is the result of the past experiences that you couldn't handle. These are two totally different sets of forces that have nothing to do with each other. For example, there are current impersonal forces that are causing it to rain. There are past personal forces causing you not to like the rain. You've just pitted yourself against the universe and you're going to lose. Nevertheless, the personal mind thinks it's right. You actually think the universe should be the way that you want it to be. That concludes chapter 15. I'm going to go to a quick break, and then we're going to embark on the next part of the book, which is part five, Thoughts and Dreams. And we're going to peel the onion a bit with chapter 16, The Abstract Mind.
Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for sticking with us. We are going to uncover Thoughts and Dreams, which is the following part of the book, which I'm pretty excited to turn the page on. This is Chapter 16, The Abstract Mind. Fortunately, your mind has a layer beyond the layers of the personal mind. It has been called the impersonal mind, the abstract mind, or even the purely intellectual mind. This layer of mind is not distracted by the inner commotion caused by your samskaras. It is free to soar unhindered into the pure brilliance and creativity of a higher expression of mind. This higher layer of your mind, which we will call the abstract layer, is what allows you to build rocket ships, develop air conditioning, and discover the existence of atoms. The abstract mind is what truly makes humans great. You're not limited to experiencing only through your senses. You're free to explore in the realm of pure intellectual mind. Your mind can take you pretty much anywhere. Do you want to build rovers that can go to Mars so that you can explore the planet on the internet? Wonderful. You can do that because your mind is capable of expanding beyond the limit of your senses and the limit of your personal thoughts. Mind can operate at many levels. The question is, what are you doing with it? Intellectually, you have the ability to take images from the outside and do creative things with them. You're free to use your mind's power to be artistically abstract and intellectually logical. A perfect example of the latter would be Einstein's thought experiments. Einstein came up with many of his greatest theories, sitting in his armchair and reasoning out every very abstract concepts. This is a great tribute to the power of our minds. It's a far cry from getting lost in your personal thoughts and making these thoughts about yourself the total meaning of your life. Once you create thoughts about what you want and don't want and how to force the world to be that way, You'll never be okay inside. You'll lose much of the great power of abstract thought because you cannot abstract from yourself. Life will become a battle between reality and your mental preferences. This use of mind is, cause, is called the personal mind because its thoughts are all about your concepts, views, and preferences. The teaching of mindfulness, which center around on the center awareness on the current moment encourage you to focus on something other than the personal mind. Focuses, focusing on the moment is one way to get your consciousness off its incessant addiction to the personal. Another way to transcend the personal mind is by using your intellectual mind to create and do things that are not personal in nature. This includes being an engineer who reasons out problems or medical researcher who studies diseases and how to cure them. Artistry, computer science, mathematics, all of these are examples of beautiful uses of the impersonal mind. The mind is great. It's just not supposed to be used for storing all your personal preferences and then thinking the whole world is supposed to match what you stored. The outside world is simply not going to magically match what you've stored in your mind. In fact, it's not very intelligent to expect it to. It's really intelligent to devote your life to fighting with life so it aligns with your past good and bad experiences. How can you enjoy life if you are always worrying and struggling to get it your way? That's what all of our societies are doing, and that's what almost every human being has done. People just haven't evolved enough to learn not to do that. Rich people, poor people, sick people, healthy people, married people, single people, they're all bound in the same way. 
If they get what they want, they're relatively okay. If they don't get what they want, they suffer to a greater or lesser extent. Fortunately, you do not have to live this way. There is a much higher way to live life. But it requires that you change how you interact with your mind and with the life unfolding before you. To understand this transformation, let's first take a look at how you even decided what you want and what you don't want. If you pay attention, you'll see that your past experiences determine your preferences. You didn't just make it all up from scratch. Your views, opinions, and preferences are formulated based on data from your past. For example, let's say that you're totally secure in your love relationship until you hear that your friends had a breakup and they are miserable. All of a sudden, you start worrying about your own relationship. You're fine before you heard about your friends, but now you're not. You stored the concept of a breakup inside your mind, even though it really had nothing to do with you. You took it personally. Is it possible to process the information without getting it stuck in your mind? Of course it is. Your friends had a problem and they shared it with you. It came into your mind, passed through your consciousness, and you experienced the feeling of compassion. The interaction actually made you a greater being. You were able to fully absorb the reality of life without getting it stuck in your mind. If you want to recall it later, you can willfully restore it in your memory in all of its glory. But it will not keep coming back up by itself. Since it did not get stuck in the conscious mind or shoved into a subconscious, it will not adversely affect your life. It actually made you a better person because you were able to handle the experience. On the other hand, if you are not able to process the experience without resisting it, it will stay stuck in the conscious mind and create havoc. If you really resist it, it will get shoved down into the subconscious where it will fester and it will spread its disturbance throughout the mind. In either case, you're storing what you are afraid of in your mind. If you do this, you'll be afraid of your own thoughts. How could you not be? You made a collection of unpleasant thoughts in your mind and they are going to keep coming back up. Now, in order to live in there, the analytical, the analytical aspect of mind must be utilized to figure out what needs to happen outside for you to be okay. This is where preferences come from. They are simply attempts to use outside events to solve the fact that you're not doing well inside. This results in the constant practice of judging everything that's unfolding based on your preferences. It's easy to see why people don't agree with each other. Nobody else had the experiences that came through your eyes. What you have inside your mind is completely different from what others have inside their minds. It can't be otherwise because the data in your mind comes from the experiences that you had. No one else had those experiences, not even close, not your spouse, your children, or your friends. Not only were your past experiences different, but you processed them differently. We can certainly force ourselves to conform to other ways of thinking in order to gain acceptance, but that just makes living inside all the more complicated. You not only have your default way of thinking resulting from your stored past impressions, but now you must suppress parts of that in order to conform to the group of the group mindset. No wonder it's messy in there. You are holding all that personal stuff inside your mind. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The inevitable result is that if the moment is in front of you and it happens to align well with your stored patterns, you feel great. You feel open, excited, and enthused. If it doesn't align well with your stored patterns, you get upset. You immediately close, get defensive, and maybe even get depressed. We're now back to the question that we asked earlier. What's it like living in there? Sometimes it's nice. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's heaven. Sometimes it's hell. This is why. 
It's not because God made it that way. You did this. You were given free will. And what you did with your free will was make a mess out of your mind. Instead of being in all of the moment in front of you and that it even exists, you fight to make it match what you want. I conclude chapter 16 and we will continue chapter 17 next Sunday. Have a wonderful week all. I will see you then.